This is a CBC Podcast. Hey, I'm Claire Bonnyman. And I'm Mindariwal. And welcome to The Loop. I mean, we are rapidly approaching one of my favorite times of the year. Uh-huh. Award season. Oh, I thought you meant the playoffs. Like, <laughs> no, this You is, knew that was coming. This too. is my playoffs. These uh, are your playoffs. Fair <laughs> enough. It's, it's, it's the thing about, it's like not a nice season. It's gross outside. Yeah. We're like waiting for spring, waiting for not spring. But you can turn on your TV and see all these beautiful people. Right. All dressed up, just smiling and happy. And Great like these teeth. Heart, such yeah. good teeth. Heartfelt speeches, thanking mm. people. It's really lovely. I find it a little stressful because then, <laughs> you know, you if you're going to watch one of those shows or yeah. if, you have, if you live in a home where people love those shows, yes. you, you don't want to be sitting there um, and uh, not knowing what people are talking about or, yeah. you know, wow, this movie do is so great. You have to do research and yes. you have to catch up, right? So for me, it's a little stressful because sometimes I find uh, I'm a little slow on uh, – Keeping up with you know what's what's in or what's what's good or what yeah. might win an award or what have you. It's funny because I used to go all in and, okay. and do like watch a ton of things and make like a ballot and then I think the first time I did that in a yeah. while was last year because there was not much happening. All right. So I was <laughs> just like I literally watched everything down oh, to like wow. the shorts, the documentary shorts, foreign films. Like I did as much as I could. So you could have the academy could have hired you. I was the academy. <laughs> you were the, I, the I am academy. the academy. But it's because it's so there's so many amazing stories out there. And I, I think in the last couple of years too, I've noticed there have been more and more stories getting celebrated and recognized mm-hmm. that are coming from communities that we don't often see getting that same kind of, of platform. Right. Um, and one of those communities is the deaf community. So, I mean, movies like The Sound of Metal, which did really well last year and was an incredible film. Yep. The Eternals, which came out this year, which is like that massive Marvel franchise, right? Mm-hmm. Feeling Through, again, from last year, even A Quiet Place. And then this year's CODA, which stands for Child of Deaf Adults, is already cleaning up. It did great at the SAG Awards this last weekend. Um, They're looking at Oscars. So all of these movies feature deaf actors and storylines getting nods and being nominated. Mm -hmm. Have you seen any of these? I just gave you a laundry list. (laughs) I have not, but I feel that I should because if if there's that many, um, my, my neighbors... My, mm. Both uh, both uh, the couple, they're both deaf, and, oh, yeah. uh, and but their kids aren't, um, and so they're codas. Yeah, absolutely, are codas. So um, I think I'll have to watch a couple of these so that I can have a conversation with my neighbor about uh, whether or not he's watched them, <laughs> right? Because yeah. he and I con- we communicate all the time via text. Yeah, um, you know, I I've, I thought at least ten, you know ten years in, I would have learned to sign somewhat, but he's always texting me, <laughs> so. I kind of blame him a little bit, <laughs> but maybe it's time for me to take the initiative. Way to pass the buck, yeah. man. But he's great. <laughs> um, yeah, they're, they're great and they're uh, – I'm, I'm sure they've watched a few of these. Well, and more than anything, it's just really awesome to see these kinds of, of characters and storylines and actors included in larger spectrums, right? Yeah. Like a lot of these are not exclusively about – those kinds of stories, no. Um, but they just include all aspects of different kinds of cultures, and and the echoes of kind of that representation. We're seeing that in the city as well. Edmonton has a really strong deaf community, right. and a lot of really amazing theater that comes and includes ASL and signing. But Connor Uswinko Martin is a deaf consultant, artist, and actor, and Thurga Kanagesa Karempalai is a deaf actress and activist. Mm-hmm. And this week, they both spoke to me through interpreter Robin Lavender about what it means to see and be seen as a deaf actor on stage and screen. Hello, and thank you both so much for joining me on The Loop today. 
Hello. Thank you. Yes, hello. Thanks. Um, Thurga, I would love to start with you and hear a bit about how you got into theater and acting. It's It's been a long journey so far since I, I, really a young age. When I was in grade four, I had a class trip to go to a set of a, of a TV show. Uh, it was uh, the uh, FBI show, the Sue Thomas FBI show. And it was really nice, really cool to see the actors and the set and how the filming worked. And I was so intrigued by it. At that time, Danny Bray, who's an actor, Troy Kotzer's wife. <laughs> um, so I got to meet uh, them in person on that trip and I saw a deaf person there. And I was amazed by that. I thought, you know, this is something I could do. And so I was really eager and passionate at that time about it. And that passion kind of grew in me and I started to end you know, you didn't see many people and many actors on TV with dark skin who are deaf. And so that gave me more of a fire and more of a commitment to kind of break down those barriers to have diverse BIPOC deaf actors. And so that's why I'm here today. And Connor, you're an actor as well, but you've since moved into being a deaf consultant for theater and this kind of work. Tell me about that. What does that mean? What does that look like? Yeah, I am an actor and that's how it kind of started was I started was on stage, you know, throughout uh, junior high school and high school being, you know, in plays every year and getting to experience a lot of different things. You know, I thought I would be an actor. And then as I moved on to university, um, I decided to take political science <laughs> and, um, you know, kind of same thing as I as Thurga, you know, seeing um, uh power imbalances, barriers for the deaf community. Um, I wanted to really dive into that and, and f figure that out more. So I got a degree, like I said, in political science and acting opportunities kept popping up for me and I would get involved in as many as, pop as, as, many as possible. And there was a lot of opportunities that were coming up for me uh, at that time. At the same time, I was kind of transitioning to more of a creative role you know, I wanted to do something more creative. Um, I wanted to, you know, be more exposed to theater and, you know, kind of look at the rules of theater. And uh, that's why I started to really be interested in being a, a deaf consultant. So I could really assess, you know, theater and see what hearing people were doing and how to make theater more accessible for everyone and to integrate interpreters properly and well into theater rather than, you know, having the interpreter just like off to the side and separate with a spotlight on, a spotlight on them. The job really varies. Sometimes I'm, you know, just looking and analyzing captions and making sure that the captions, you know, are connecting to the performance, you know, simple things. You know, and sometimes I'm there for two weeks during rehearsals, um, really analyzing the actors and their sign choices and supporting actors in the environment and to make it more of a conclusive environment for deaf actors. Because typically, you know, there's one or two deaf actors amidst a cast of all hearing people and a hearing director. And that can be feel very isolating and put a lot of burden on the deaf actor to, you know, advocate for accessibility and, um, 
more advocating than actually doing their acting job, which isn't fair. And so I like to take over that role and be that advocate and uh, consult, you know, hearing actors and hearing production teams um, to make sure that the, the deaf person can have the experience of being an actor. Thurgo, what is it like um, from the other side, looking more at that acting? Tell me how your work has changed over the years. Well, a lot of resources have changed. For example, uh, the first time that I got a job or a role from the Citadel Theatre, that was for The Tempest. That really impacted me. I've had experience being rejected for many roles many times in my life. But this time I got a role, and so that felt different. So I thought, okay, um, you know, when I was navigating having this role and this experience, but I noticed that when the acting was all done, hearing people continued to have more opportunities. And I, at me as a deaf person, I was like, okay, what's next for me now? And not getting opportunities. And that impacted me really a lot. Um, you know, and it, you know, affects people's confidence and you know for three or four years now uh, found out about coda the movie coda winning award and i was like you know that's what i want to see and uh children of a lesser god for example that you know they won an award and it was the first a female uh you know actor deaf actor to get an award and then over time until now it's just like what's changed from before till now you know you know, the system and education, not a lot has changed. Um, and, and it's been a struggle for me at times. Uh, one of mixed emotions as well. In uh, Banff Arts Centre, they have a program uh, for a month that I went to before I moved to Edmonton. And um, they offered one class there. Uh, it was a Shakespeare uh, class. I didn't have any idea if they would have resources or, you know, if I would get um, a really basic, you know, English understanding of that class. But I wanted to challenge myself and challenge, why couldn't I, you know, have that? And when I went, I realized, you know, I can de depend on myself now and then I have resources and it's okay to take um, those kind of classes and I can, you know, spread that word over to other deaf people that, you know, there are resources um, and, and, and things that can help deaf people be successful and achieve their dreams. You know, deaf people are often struggling with, you know, programs, um, getting funding cuts, barriers at every turn of the process of being in, in theatre. That's just something we all we have to face. I'm glad you brought up CODA because that's part of this larger movement that I think we're seeing of not just deaf culture and, and actors being included in movies and film, but they're also getting celebrated and awarded and recognized more than ever before. Connor, what does it mean to you to see that kind of representation become more common and more celebrated as well? <sighs> I, I must say I like to see all of that and all of the improvements that have been made. And it's really good to see such diversity being shown in TV and movies. It's, I think it's really important to see that. And the reason for that is it's important to see deaf actors in roles that are not about the fact that they are deaf. It's not about the fact that they're deaf. They're just there doing, you know, being superheroes, you know, or private detectives. They happen to be deaf and that's cool to see for me as a creative uh as a you know a writer 
that type of story, I think it, you know, identifies that there's, you know, strength in, in having deaf representation. It's not a story about deaf culture. It's not like we're having to educate people that, you know, sign language is a real language and it's not about being deaf. And there's a lot of other stories about that. I think, you know, for me, I prefer to see stories that are about different things, not just about being deaf, but like stories that happen to have deaf people in them. And I think that it shows that we're valid and that we have stories and that we have skills. And the only thing that we have to deal with is this barrier with communication. But we have so much more to us than just these barriers of communication. Thurga, I want to ask you as well, because you brought up Troy Kotzer before, and in his acceptance speech at the SAG Awards, he stated the difference between deaf actors and actors who happen to be deaf. How does that distinction resonate with you? I mean, I feel like I am an actor. I feel like I'm an actor just like a hearing person feels like they're an actor. We have the same goals. Me and a hearing person have the same goals. The only thing I have to do different is I require accessibility to meet those goals. You know, I need an interpreter there. As soon as an interpreter there, I feel like, okay, now we're on the same page. I always have to work on that. And it's not always readily available. And sometimes hearing people have no idea that those things need to be in place. And so we have to take on the burden, the responsibility of saying, hey, in order for us to be equal here or in order for me to have be able to do the same thing as hearing actors, I, these are the things that I need. And sometimes those things are missing and I try to accept it and work through it and I try and fight for my needs and um, things work out sometimes and things don't and I just have to accept it and keep going, working through it and see if I can manage without the access that I need. But, you know, sometimes if those needs aren't met, I'm always like, I, you know, I'm, there's something missing. Like, I'm, I need more. And I, unfortunately, I don't think that, that that will ever end, unfortunately. Yeah. It's always going to be something I'll have to face. Talking about supporting all actors um, and creating those inclusive performances where everyone can thrive, you were both involved in The Beginning of Happiness recently, which was a uh, performance here in the city uh, came out via film. And Connor, you worked as a deaf consultant on that. Can you tell me what the process was like to turn a sort of dance choreography music piece into an accessible film? Yeah, for sure. I um, During that process, it was actually kind of a learning experience for me as well. I learned a lot along the way, you know, dan with dancing and movement, plus the um, addition of kind of the choral uh, audio on top of it. You know, and uh, usually what I'm used to working with is seeing a script and having that be on stage. And so this added a lot more layers for me that I hadn't worked with before. During that process, I did two roles. I was a deaf consultant uh, for that production. And, you know, I was making sure that things that needed to be in place were in place, as well as I was an ASL coach, which means that I was, you know, also analyzing the language itself. The, vo the vocals in it and how to uh, represent those vocals as best as possible and how to express those vocals in an equivalent way in ASL, in a cultural way in ASL. You know, when we actually got there to do the filming and we had, you know, everything, we had the lights and the camera and action and ready to go, at that time, 
the language we re realized was actually quite repetitive for like two minutes straight. It, you know, the, the words would repeat. And the captions only showed it a few times. And the rest of the time was silence. And so, and the captions didn't match what was happening on the, the screen. So then we sat back and looked at it again and we thought, you know, maybe this needs to repeat like a rhythm. And so it was really a learning experience for all of us. Uh, I don't know if Thurga had your hand up and if you wanted to add something. Thurga, yeah, like Thurga, what was your experience in that project? Yeah, I just wanted to add that I had experience, you know, being filmed before and accessible vlogs and, you know, music videos, uh, doing, um, you know, translations in sign language. And that part with the sound and the captions, you know, I... I already knew that there was something that I that needed to be changed. We had an interpreter uh, there with a there and um, with the video. I knew, you know, I just felt in my inside myself something's missing. We need to add something, and that's not as accessible as it can be. And so that shows some like privilege as well. That you know, sometimes people you know don't think of that that parts of things are missing for us, and that. Um, that's part of the process through, you know, getting accessibility is really, you know, showing all of the animation, you know, that hearing people are getting audioly um, that deaf people sometimes miss out on or getting tone in a message. Cause I read, read through the whole thing and I thought I understand it, but sometimes I wasn't sure what the tone was of the words that I was reading on, you know, the lyrics I was reading on a script. And it wasn't until I had an interpreter to be able to sh tell me about the tone that I was able to match what, what was actually happening in the video at the same time. And so it was challenging and, but it was fun. And uh, it was filmed um, here in Edmonton as well with an amazing team. Um, everybody was so fantastic. Um, now that I'm in Edmonton, I'm really excited to be here and uh, be able to work more on these types of things and work on the process and, you know, getting better at every time rather than just doing what everybody's used to, you know, maybe doing something new and innovative and, um, just just education is not enough sometimes sometimes you really need to work on the process and continuing to improve as you go when we talk about this process of improvement there is so much work we can do i'd love to ask you both but connor let's start with you where can we get better at telling stories about and and just including deaf actors deaf culture deaf communities that's a great question it applies to everything, arts, theater, business, government, everywhere. It's, you know, the same, the same answer I always say, it's it, honestly, sometimes it starts with a budget because for the longest time people thought, oh yeah, we can have accessibility. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it accessible. We're not an afterthought. I, I don't want to be an afterthought. I'm not an afterthought. You know, when you make a budget and there's lines and lines of, you know, you know, you got catering, you got transportation, accessible line should be there right along with all of those things. It needs to be part of the budget. It needs to be there. I don't want to be an afterthought. And it's not just for interpreters. It, their interpreters are included in that. But, you know, what about interveners for deafblind individuals? Captions. Cart interpreting, live live cart in an in event. 
there's so many things that are you know accessibility you know it needs to be there it needs to be in your budget and ready to go ahead of time so that people can be involved for example um one example of this my vet for my dog in, you know, in 2021, it was their very first year ever having a deaf client at the vet. And I'm like, really? For the past 40 years that you've been a vet, you're, this is the first time you've ever seen a deaf person. So they were, you know, trying to figure out how to have this accessible. But it should be part of the business. It should be there. I don't want to be at a scramble. I don't want people to scramble. I want to be considered when people start. And third and, yeah, and this has happened to me as well in Toronto. In my experience, I, you know, I had one doctor, and I had a I, sorry, it was a vet, and I had my 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 kitty uh, shadow with me, and um, you know, there was a lot of concern about accessibility and what we need to do. And I said, you know, that's fine. I can read. We can write back and forth, but and there was a huge panic, and I felt that panic, and I just thought in Toronto, you know, a place where you know things should be accessible it's 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 not and i feel like it's the same everywhere in every province it feels like um you know there are organizations out there and agencies out there uh to help with these things it needs to be you know every agency and every business is different and you you never know as a deaf person what you're walking into but i agree with connor if you don't mind, I just kind of wanted to add one really quick self-promotion, if you don't mind. Please, Connor, go ahead. What's going on? Thank you. Um, this month is really a quite an exciting month for deaf artists. In Edmonton, um, we host a Canadian-wide deaf theatre festival. It's called Sound Off. And this is happening the last week of March and the first week of April. Thurgo will be there uh, performing. Uh, we have a show together. Plus, um, I have a stage reading um, that will be my original uh, script that I wrote. Uh, the production is called After Faust. And it will be Alberta's first deaf-written, deaf-directed, and fully deaf-cast uh, performance in Alberta, I think, maybe ever. I just wanted to put that out there. It's a really exciting month for deaf artists. Min, what's the best award that you've ever received? Uh, there's been so many, so I, I oh, probably... Oh, okay. I'd probably have Humble to say... Brag. Maybe I'd have to go back to the 80s. Uh, best Supporting Actor. And there's this movie called Stand By Me. I don't know if you ever see it, saw that. Are you making a joke? No. You, are you serious? You ne- never heard about this? No. You didn't know I was a child actor? What? I, I'm just kidding. <gasps> oh, what? Really? <laughs> oh. Oh, your oh, face. <laughs> your face is like, oh, my God. Have I been doing a show with greatness and I'm just finding out right now? I don't know your past. Could you imagine You're if, a I, if I if I if I was in Stand By Me in the eighties, Claire, I would not be here right now. Man, I hate to tell you this. I, I don't I've never seen Stand By Me. You I wasn't I wasn't around in the eighties. I cannot believe that's not, that. That's not really my prime time. There's so many classic movies from the eighties, Claire. Don't get me wrong, I love I Stand love By Me movies. is this coming of age film <laughs> with some like legendary actors <laughs> and not you and not just me. to be clear and, just, and not just me. to be perfectly clear and not me i thought you were gonna say like a participation ribbon or something yeah oh i had a, i had a bunch of those 
Of course, I'm asking you this question, right? Because this month, CBC Edmonton, we're giving out a a unique award, mm. not best supporting actor right. for any '80s film. Um, but this is an award I've never heard of: best burb. Is that right? Yes. You live in the suburbs. Tell me, you love yes. burbs? I. You know what I mean? Uh, at this stage of my life, where I am in in the in the specific burb I'm in, yeah, mm. it's great. Yeah. Uh, accessibility uh, by walking. Not so great, but there's some great trails. There's a ravine nearby. So, you know, it's awesome. That's the way though, right? Like I I grew up in the Burbs outside of Toronto. Right. And um, they've got a special place in my heart because that is like a place of childhood. Yeah. Right? And I'm like biking around these streets and like actually safely biking because there's not as much traffic. Yeah. There's a community feel. Feeling safe. Yeah. Yeah. The suburbs have a hugely special place. Yeah. I mean, there's a ton in this city. Yes. And I'm sure that is going to be the hardest award to choose. And of course, this is something anyone can join in on. So if you want to submit your burb as the best in the city, uh, you can win a big prize and some CBC swag. There's some actually good swag coming through. I've seen some good stuff. And people are submitting their entrance uh, online at cbc.ca forward slash my CBC yeg. And so far, we've heard from people right across the city. Like, uh, that's not a surprise. No. Everybody loves their community. Well, that's the thing that I love about Edmonton is there's all of these separate communities, but they're all so passionate. Yeah. And my favorite thing about this contest for sure is hearing how people describe where they're from. Through this job, I've been able to experience some communities I'd never even stepped foot in. Absolutely. So I am fully anticipating like an onslaught of, uh, you know, People pumping the tires on their burp. Oh, yeah. It's making me want to move just about everywhere across the city. Um, but our first stop today okay. is West Edmonton over in Lewis Estates. Oh, yeah, yeah. Here is a sweet story from a bakery owner who lives in Cedar Greens. I'm Ijoma Omodu. I am the owner of Jovic Bakery. Jovic Bakery is uh, a healthy promoting bakery. People can walk in if you're on the busy schedule like myself and pick uh, a platter of food for your family. All you have to do is you go home and heat it up. We make sure that they get the healthy stuff plus the tasty stuff. We have been open since 2018. I decided that I'm not going to be able to be as involved as I would like to be in the bakery if it is up too far from my home. I have been living in the West End here for over 15 years. When I started living here, there was actually no Anthony Hende. And uh, the only outlet to any other place is White Mud. And the last street is 215. And that 215 street is Winterbourne Road. With time, the area started developing. And I'm going, wow, this is really good because... uh, Before then, if I have to buy bread, I really have to go far off. I can spend the whole year really without going to downtown. (laughs) I get everything I want in the neighborhood. Louis Estate was it for us because one, it's a golfing community. Two, it was a quiet place. Three, it was safe. I don't believe there's any country in the world that is not represented in Louis Estate. It's a very welcoming multicultural neighborhood that you don't have to be afraid no matter where you're coming from. I am so thankful that we are in this neighborhood as a bakery. I'm so thankful that uh, I have got people in the community who are supporting us because throughout this COVID, uh, people will come in on their own. They're not coming to buy anything. They're just coming to ask us, how are you doing? Do you need any help? How can we do? Sometimes they come in, they don't need something, they buy it. Oh, I just want to make sure that you guys are doing okay. We don't want you to close, you know. So so those things are so heartwarming and I very much appreciate all they do. And I'm thinking 
by his God's grace, we will have a way to give back to the community because they have been there for us. A pretty convincing argument there. Um, that's from Ijoma Omodu, the owner of Juvik Bakery in the mm-hmm. Suda Greens neighborhood of Lewis Estates, which, Min, you're pretty familiar. Yeah, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, Lewis Estates <laughs> Golf Course has been golfing there for years, and it really has grown. Yeah. Like that whole community around that golf course and that com- uh, neighborhood, uh, the homes around it uh, has really expanded. And, um, you know, my wife's family, um, some of them had businesses in, uh, you know, Stony Plain Road area yeah. and, and Winterburn Road. Like, I mean, I can remember driving up and down Winterburn Road when it was like, you better keep your eye on the road or you're going to hit the <laughs> ditch, right? It was that oh, narrow. It was a dirt trail. Times have changed. Yeah. Oh, totally changed. If you go yeah. to that spot now, it's just bustling, right? Yeah. And so, you know, moving a little more south, there is one of the fastest growing areas in the city, according to this year's census. The southwest side of the city, just south of Hende, has had more than 155% increase in population, which is nuts. That is huge, that's right? That's amazing. And that's just in the last five years. Yeah. A smack dab in between those two communities is Caffeined Coffee. The cafe opened in 2019 and owner Jennifer Olexen makes a pretty solid case for why that may be the best burb of all. I am Jennifer Olexen, owner of Caffeine Coffee. We are husband and wife owned. My husband, Alan, he is a chef by trade, so he takes care of the food stuff. So all of our food is made in-house. All of our sweets are made in-house. You know, we make our own falafel patties. Like, we do as much as we can in-house. And then we also are big supporters of other local businesses. So we love partnering with other local Edmonton and area businesses. Our coffee comes from Roasty in Sherwood Park. You know, we sell the Little Bear Gelato here. Our kombucha is from here. Our tea is produced here. Our beer that we get is from Alley Cat. So we try to do as much as we can locally to Edmonton. And then all the art on the walls, all the, the vendors here are all local artists. My husband and I, we live in the Chappelle Gardens neighborhood. We have had a dream of someday opening a cafe. The original dream was in like 10 years from now when we retire in a little mountain town. We even went through all of the research. We drove through all of BC, through the Kootenays to try to scope out towns. And actually on our way home from that trip, we noticed these new retail developments starting to go up in our neighborhood. And we kind of thought, why are we waiting 10 years to actually do what we want to do. And so we started asking questions, started building business plans, because of course nobody will talk to you unless you have a plan. And then we chose the space, fell in love with it, and just pushed through for about a year to to build out the space and, and open here right in our own neighborhood. It's just such a community. Like I grew up in small towns in Newfoundland and this really gives you that like, you know, that hometown feel. People look out for each other. The The community page is constantly filled with people helping and supporting each other. And you just really feel supported and welcome in this community. Initially, when we moved here, you know, the social house wasn't there. It was just like an outdoor skating rink and that was it. So we've, we've kind of watched this community grow around us, which started with the Residents Association and more homes and parks and playgrounds and community gardens and things like that. And has since, you know, in the last three to five years, expanded into much more retail services and grocery stores and banks and those kinds of things. We were among the first few businesses to open in this retail space so it's been really fun to kind of watch all of the other businesses come up around us. That's so awesome. I mean, you know, we were just joking about it, but I think it's it's going to be coming. You could do a coffee tour. Oh, yeah. In, I would love to do all the city. like little independent neighborhood coffee yeah. shops. You could just absolutely. And great. That was Jennifer Alexson. So great for her and uh, for them to kind of, you know, 
jump on this opportunity because, yeah. yeah, everything's kind of growing around them, right? And she's the co-owner of Caffeine Coffee near Chappelle and uh, might have to go check that out I because it's so. not far from me. No, I think it's a, a drive, trip. but yeah. A worth it. Yeah, it'll be worth it. I think it. so. I think the strongest argument for any suburb is going to be one about food. If I was judging, that yeah. would be the, <laughs> yeah. the winning argument. Oh, hands down. Good thing I'm not judging. But so far, we do have nominations for this contest for areas like Glastonbury, for Beaumaris, Hawks Ridge, Ramsey Heights, a lot of newer communities, which is really awesome to see. Yeah. But there are so many in the city, and there's clearly so many passionate folks yeah. who want to share their place. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to this. And regardless of where you know your vote lies, uh, you should definitely cast it because yeah. – there's so many different communities here and there's these little places yeah. like, you know, in the corner of a strip mall that you'd never even hear about unless yes. someone t- told you about it, right? Yes. Introduce- Whether it's a food place or a business or any kind of uh, Yeah, service, introduce right? the city to your hood, to the gems. Yeah. Unless and- you want to keep them secret, but still share. Yeah, I, I think people <laughs> will start sharing and you can do it by going to cbc.ca forward slash my CBC YEG and uh, to find out if your community qualifies for an eligible suburb uh, you can fill out a submission form tell us why your suburb is Edmonton's best burb and you could win a massive prize package. Do you want to hear what's in this prize package bin? Because I looked Give it, it up. Me. It's nuts. Is that right? Yes. So there's a spring yard cleanup package, which is tempting enough in itself. That's um, worth that's, it. That's off your shoulders. That's a lot of work. <laughs> there's a, a year-long premium membership to CBC Gems. So you can watch cool. the new show, Run the Burbs, which yeah. of course is part of the inspiration for this. Mm-hmm. And there's so much swag. So we're talking, there's multiple shirts. There's a sweatshirt. There's tote bags, Whoa. plural. Yeah. An apron, a dog leash, water bottles. There's, there's so much in it. Plus, just giving it away. And this is the best part. The winning suburb gets a food truck. So uh, for an experience, for a neighborhood Sick. block party. That would so be a blast. everyone gets to enjoy if you nominate your suburb and you win. So please, uh, I ask that someone submit for me because I do not live in a suburb yeah. and I want to go to a block party. That's actually kind of just giving me an idea to just bring a food truck to the neighborhood and have one of those in the summer. Yeah. How, how much fun would that be? Can I come? Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm in a cul-de-sac, so it'd be it would be even better. The Loop is a weekly podcast from CBC Edmonton. And our team this week is Mindariwal, Leslie Goldstone, Olivia O, oh, Lauren Fink, Corey Haberstock, Chris Martin, and James Evans. And a special thanks to sign language interpreter Robin Lavender this week as well. Our theme music is Change Your Mind by Edmonton musician John Common. And I'm Claire Bonneman. Thank you so much for listening. And I'm Mindariwal, of course. And there is always so much more to know. Get into The Loop. And you can do that with us every Friday when you hear our show. And you can leave us a a rating, a review, tell us what you liked, what you didn't like, maybe give us some ideas. We love ideas. Right? Yeah, wherever you download the show. And uh, if you want to get in touch, we have an email, theloop at cbc.ca. Use hashtag thelooppcbc on social media, or you can reach out to us. I'm on Twitter, at Nindariwal. And Claire, you are? At Naminob. That's Claire backwards. Her name that's backwards. Bonnieman backwards. Bonnie Man backwards. Claire that's, backwards. That's, that's what I meant to say. Yeah. <laughs> And, of course, follow the show on CBC Listen or your favorite podcasting app. Thanks, everybody. And email in for your exclusive invite to Min's massive block party. Let's go. (laughs) I can see it now already. Wow, that went in such a different place than I expected it to. Um, Well, that's that's what uh, (laughs) doing this podcast is all about sometimes. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.